0: Welcome to New City Online. I'm RJ and it is great to be with you today in online worship. If this is your first time joining with us today here at New City, I just wanna say a special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. And if you could do me a quick favor, a quick favor, go on over to newcity.us slash connect, fill out that form and send it to us and we would love to connect with you soon. Tammy, there's a lot going on at New City. Yes. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yes. If you've ever wondered how to find out all that's happening in the life of the church here at New City, I want to remind you about our events page. You can go to the website newcity.us slash events and see all of the different things that you can get involved in. There's so many things to help you and your family grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. From the group's ministry, kids summer camps and our student summer camps to what we're doing with local partners and global partners. God is at work here at New City. And in just a moment, I'm going to remind you about the ways that you can give, the ways that you can invest in all of the work that's happening through you guys, through our body here at New City. But first, I was just reminded as I really thought about this. um, When we invest in God's work, it's a joy, it's a privilege. You know, it's not like when we when we pay bills, right? Like that's something we have to do. But when we invest in the work that God's doing through the local church, that's something that we get to do. It's something that we feel joy about, something that it's a privilege to do. And if you want to give today to the work of God through New City, you can do that by going to the website newcity.us slash give. You can go to our New City app. Or you can text the word New City, O-N-L, to the number 77977. And yeah, just, just join us in prayer that God will continue to use New City to bring gospel renewal, to make people's lives new because of Jesus um, in our city and in our world. Now let's turn our hearts toward worship and receive the hope that God has for us today.
0: It
2: says in Psalm 100, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, go into His courts with praise, give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good. So let's sing and celebrate together. ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. is the only one Father, we thank you that you are our source of refuge and strength. In you we delight and we worship you, we adore you. We praise your name for you are worthy, you are holy and you are mighty. Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us today that we may listen to you speak. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This is a story Jesus
2: told. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it.
0: Our story that Jesus told today begins with the word again. Jesus used repetition all throughout his teaching ministry to solidify what he wanted to communicate to his audience. So I want to repeat a few things that we talked about last week Again, uh, first of all, that his word should be the first word in our day and the last word in our day. So I talked about this practice that I've been doing of just opening my Bible, having it beside my bed, and before I go to bed at night, just reading a, a verse or two or sometimes three until I'm challenged or comforted. And beginning my day the same way, before my feet hit the ground, um, just reading a couple of verses, I'm reading through Philippians right now. It could be anything in the scriptures, but I want to encourage you again as a church um, to think about his word being your first word and his word being your last word. And last week, we also talked about sometimes our expectations um, can actually work to keep us from God. You know, my, my, my expectations of God can keep me from God. And whether it's like that God didn't come through in a way that I thought he would, or he um, didn't come through in the timing that I thought, or I, I just had an expectation that that wasn't met. And sometimes that expectation can work to to keep me from actually seeing who God is and really valuing him for for who he is. We're gonna see that today in our story. And then again, just by by repetition, uh, we talked about that God uses storms to soften our hearts. Um, That when the rain comes in our life, which many of us are in storms collectively, uh, we've gone through a lot of storms. And what if, what if God is using the rain and the wind and all the storms of life right now to soften our hearts? Maybe even to soften some of those expectations so that we can really see Jesus, we can see him for who he really is, and he can meet us in our life. You know, I think our hearts, all of our hearts are wired to know God. Um, The scripture says that God has placed eternity in your heart, that there's something in your heart that longs to know God, to be with God, to be known by God. Uh, Julian Barnes, who's a, a noted author and an atheist, wrote a book about that. Um, about what it's like to live as an atheist. In the opening line of the book, he says, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. How about that? I don't believe in God, but I miss him. As honest as he can be, he's saying, you know, I, in my head, I don't believe that God exists, but there's something in my heart that longs for him, that is searching for him, that is seeking him. We're gonna see that even in our, our story today. The parables, the stories that Jesus told, the series that we've been in, in the Gospel of Matthew, are really about Jesus meeting us in our seeking. It's about, you know, even the word itself, uh, just by repetition, Jesus, you know, teaches over and over and over again in these stories to come alongside of us, to cast truth alongside of our lives, to help us to to know him. Um, And he invites us into relationship with him through these stories. It's a beautiful thing. And that sets up our story today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, wherever you might be, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to the first book in the New Testament. It's the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 13 again today, uh, verses 45 and 46. This is the, the pearl of great value. Let me read it to you. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus taught, is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So just in context here, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And if you've been joining us for this series, you know that in chapter 13, several different times he begins his stories, his parables, with that phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so what do we learn? Well, his audience was struggling with that. Uh, they had expectations of what they thought Jesus was going to be like, the promised Messiah, what they thought the kingdom was going to be like. And so Jesus is busy teaching here. He's paralleling their expectations and reality with, with his reality and helping them to come over, inviting them into his truth. He's helping to meet them in that place. And teaching what is the kingdom really going to be like, and helping to meet them uh, in their expectations and even maybe some of their disappointments and their misses to see what Jesus and His kingdom is really like. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but but if you said, you know, do you have an expectation of God? Do you have an expectation of Jesus? A lot of times, I would say, no, I don't have an expectation, and I I really don't know I had an expectation until it's missed. Are you like that? When my expectation isn't met, when God doesn't come through in, in my timing and in the way that I want him to, uh, then I realize, oh, it turns out I did have an expectation. Jesus is meeting his audience in that expectation, and he's teaching them by saying the kingdom of heaven is like, I'm going to tell you what it's like. And uh, um, the, word, uh, the story begins with that word again, because he's tying uh, the story last week about the hidden treasure of the kingdom and the par- the pearl of great value. The stories go together. They're a, they're a couplet, if you will. They're, they're meant to be read together and understood together. So if you missed last week, go back and listen and read verse 45, the, the parable of the hidden treasure. But they are distinctive stories. The hidden treasure and the pearl of great value, are they're, they're distinctive. And they're distinctive in a couple of different ways. The, the hidden treasure, right, it's it's not being sought after. It's kind of bumped into it. It's discovered. But the pearl of great value is being sought after. The, the hidden treasure is, is kind of hidden in plain sight. The pearl of great value is something that that is being esteemed and is being um, sought after. It's, it's not hidden in plain sight. It's something that someone is searching for and trying to find. The central difference, if you have your scripture open here, highlight the word uh, search, search that is the key word of this story that jesus told the pearl of great value and the the difference between last week's story and this story but i wonder just just to to pause here for a moment which story you resonate with most you know you may have grown up in church or with things of faith um, in jesus and understanding people who had a faith in jesus who who taught you the bible maybe you maybe you were taught this story as a child and you discovered Jesus for yourself. It was always in the field around you, but you bumped into it, and and maybe you bumped into it over and over again, and one day you really beheld Jesus for who he was for yourself. It wasn't your mom or your dad or your grandparents. It was you seeing the kingdom and who Jesus is and coming into relationship with him. You discovered the value of the kingdom. Or maybe, maybe you relate more to this second story, uh, the story today in verses 45 and 46, the pearl of great value, where where you're the man who's who's seeking, um, that you're you're on a quest to understand who is Jesus. Maybe you didn't grow up understanding anything about the kingdom or about Jesus or the scriptures, and you're really on a journey searching to understand. Maybe maybe you're a combination of both. And as you hear uh, this story with last week's story, you find yourself resonating with both of them. Jesus taught again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. So let's just stop there for a second in the story. So who is this merchant? What, what, what do we know about him? I mean, it's a it's a very short story, a micro parable here. So Jesus doesn't explain a whole lot about him. But we knew we know about merchants in the first century and those who dealt in things of value. We know he wasn't a novice, right? Because he he made his living off this. Jesus refers to him as a merchant. He wasn't just someone who this was a hobby. This was his livelihood. Was to find things of value, namely pearls and to go and sell them to other people who value things and to make a living off of that. And evidently he was, he was pretty good at it. Do, do you know anybody in your life who is good at finding things uh, of value and then selling them for a higher price? There's just people that sometimes have a gift in that. They really are merchants and, and that's what this man was. He would, was constantly searching for value and then he would sell it to other people that were searching for things of value. I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon, how he um, titles this parable. He calls the pearl of great value. He titles it the pearl or the, the, the parable of great bargain. The, the parable of great bargain, because he says this was this guy, the merchant got the deal of a lifetime. I love that. Um, again, all of us know people who are just, uh, they have a gift of, of getting bargains. And, and this guy got the greatest of all bargains. He got Jesus. He really found the kingdom, the thing that he was ultimately searching for. Uh, just to, again, what do we know about him? He dealt in things, uh, specifically pearls, things of value. Pearls were, I mean, they're valuable today, but in the first century, particularly in the Far East, pearls were like the Bitcoin of the day. Um, they were skyrocketing in value, and so this guy, probably moved in circles of affluence. He probably traveled far and wide in finding uh, pearls, but also finding people who would would value them and, and, and purchase them. And yet he's searching, right? For, for all of his, his searching and seeking and travels that took him probably in different cultures and moving in different circles of people of, of influence and affluence, he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Again, back to that key word here in verse 45, he's he's searching. I wonder how many of you are searching. You feel like you're you're seeking something of value that you just haven't found yet. I love the story in Mark chapter 10, just by way of cross-reference. Jesus is walking, and he comes past a man who cries out, Son of David, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turns to the man in the story that cries out and says, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What a question. Yeah, maybe just go and read that passage for yourself in John 10 and circle that or write that question out. What is it that I want? If Jesus is asking me, what is it that you're after? What are you, what are you seeking? What are you searching for? What is it that you want? How would you answer that question? You know, the, the, the valuable things of our life, the, the pearls of our world, if, if you will, they can't compare to the, the value of, of the kingdom of God. Now, all of us were created, as I, I mentioned before, with, with hearts and a, and a soul that has eternity written on it. God, God made us in his image, and, and, and there's something in us that will never be satisfied until it's satisfied in a relationship with Jesus and coming to know our creator. I love what Mark Sayers, um, what he writes, he's a, a pastor in Australia, and he says that like secularism and a post-Christian culture that we're living in today, he defines it this way. He says post-Christian uh, Christian culture, or secularism, if you will, is like the kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom without the king. Isn't, isn't that an amazing statement? It's the kingdom without the king. It's all of us wanting and searching and seeking after the kingdom of our life because it's written on our hearts, and we're wired to search and seek after the things of the kingdom and to want things of the kingdom like peace and happiness and rest and joy um, and and all the things that come in the kingdom of God. But we want to bypass Jesus. We, we want to bypass that, well, I'm actually... A, a, a person in need of Jesus and his grace, that I'm a, I'm a person that falls short of his standards. I'm a sinner in need of, of God's work on my behalf. I want to bypass the cross and all of that part, but I want the things of the kingdom. Do, do you resonate with that? Do you, do you know people in your life that you would say, yeah, man, that's what's going on with them. They want the things of the kingdom, but they don't want Jesus. They're, they're rejecting the claims of Jesus on their life. Um, I, I thought about this quote from Don Miller. Uh, he wrote a book called Searching for God Knows What. And this, again, this whole idea of searching and seeking. And he was recounting an interview that he saw with uh, the late Larry King and the late Billy Graham. And um, Larry is interviewing Billy right after the, the school shootings in Columbine, Colorado. And the whole country is grieving and wrestling with the question, why? You know, why did this happen? And so Don Miller recounts this time in the country, maybe you remember that, and this interview that he's watching uh, on Larry King Live as he's interviewing Billy Graham. And and Don says, you know, I've been reading all these things, as as many of us have, about what could have caused this, um, you know, violent video games, uh, are, are uh, dehumanizing people, that are lessening of the, the sanctity and sacredness of life. And, and so uh, Don says, I'm watching the interview and Larry King asking the question, Billy, why did this happen? And Don says, I began, he goes, I know Billy Graham's an educated man, and I began answering for him an educated response based on all the things. Well, it's video games. And it's our, we don't value uh, human life uh, in the same way. And all of these things. And he says, Billy, and you know, all those are true. But he says, instead of answering in that way, were those things. He looks Larry King in the eye and he says, in answer to the question, why did this shooting happen? He says, there was a couple that lived in a garden thousands of years ago. And God told them not to eat of a certain fruit, but they wanted to be their own gods. They wanted to be like God. And so they disobeyed and they sinned. And Don says, in that moment, as I'm watching, in my heart, in my soul, I knew that he was right. We're a long way from that garden, friends. But the story of your life, the story of my life, the story of all of life and humanity is trying to get back to that garden of trying to find satisfaction and wholeness in a relationship with God that is a right relationship. But oftentimes in our seeking, our searching, we we go around God to actually get the things of God. Some of us have Uh, have a collection of pearls, as we think about this pearl of great value, we have a a pearl necklace, right, that we've acquired throughout the years of things that are valuable to us. Maybe we have a relationship or, you know, maybe a a possession, a favorite car or, you know, our house or uh, our profession or a degree that's hanging in your office that you've worked really hard for or your heritage or uh, maybe uh, some sort of religiosity. Uh, We we all have these things of value that we've accumulated and amassed through through the years but none of them can satisfy you know the great theologian Mick Jagger said it this way I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try but I can't get any satisfaction and maybe that's you You've tried and you've tried and you've tried. You've searched all the world far and wide. You've held all kinds of precious uh, pearls and you have even a string of them that you've collected, but you're still searching, you're still seeking. You know, the Bible has a word for this. It's kind of an old school word, but it's an appropriate word. The word that the Bible uses for this, all these pearls and things that we put in the place of God to go around him to get the things of him is idolatry. And idolatry is taking things, sometimes even good things, and making them the ultimate thing. Tim Keller says that. It's, it's taking maybe my marriage or my kids, these good things of God, these blessings of God, and I, but when I make them the ultimate thing, they've become an idol. And I'm, I'm sinning because I'm trying to work my way around God to get the things of God. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, Jesus taught. In search of fine pearls, he's on on a quest, he's on a search, who in finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Here's our merchant friend who's on a search, who's held all kinds of valuable things in his hands, and yet he's still searching for the thing of ultimate value. This person who, maybe more than any of us, is familiar with finding value when he sees Jesus, when he finds the one pearl, the kingdom of God, the, the one pearl of great value. He, he sells everything else he has of value in his life. It wasn't a sacrifice. It was a, it was a joy, just like last week, to do it because he could take hold of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I brought my my son's Casio calculator that he's working on these days for school and adding things up and finding values. And I think it's a great little picture. If you have one of these in your house, maybe you'll remember this parable, this story Jesus told. That that when the merchant comes face to face with the kingdom of God, when the merchant comes face to face with Jesus, he puts down his calculator. There's no more addition and subtraction and trying to figure out profit margin. There's no more uh, cost-benefit analysis. He simply is taking in the wonder of Jesus. And we see, because we know he's a, a merchant, a man who understands things of value, we see how he values this pearl of great value in the sense that his extravagant response of selling everything else in his life to take possession of the one thing, if you have your scriptures open, you can highlight it on your phone or you're, you're writing in your Bibles. Uh, maybe, just, maybe just circle that word one and circle that word all, because you're familiar with that phrase that our colloquialism, you know, one for all and all for one. And that's really the gospel, that the one, the one pearl of great value died for all for you and for me, he paid the price for you and for me, because he valued us so much. He searched and, and sought after us because he valued us so much. And so now we, the all, all people, we, we give all for Jesus, the, the, the one. That's the gospel, friends, that Jesus sought after you, that Jesus came to, to find you because he valued you so much. And now in our searching and our seeking, we find every value, purpose, and meaning in life, everything our heart longs for in a relationship with Christ. I wonder what this story, the pearl of great value, I wonder what this story means for you today. I wonder how these words are hitting your heart. Whether you're someone that has discovered Jesus years ago, um, someone who is seeking after Jesus, someone who's kind of in between, I wonder what this story could mean for you and how this story speaks to your heart in the same way as Jesus spoke these words to his audience in the first century. I have a couple of ideas about just ways that, that maybe we could take this story and take a step further in our own lives in searching or seeking after the kingdom. And I wanna use um, some of Jesus's words, the words of the scripture to, to help us today. The first is um, that, we, that we need to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus says this, actually, in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6. He's teaching a different audience, and he says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all, there's our word again if you want to circle it, all these things will be added to you, And then he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And I included uh, the first part of verse 34 there because I think that they really do go together, that as we seek first Jesus, the pearl of great value, as we put Jesus first in our life, all the things, uh, many times the good things, they find their place in our heart. But when we put one of those good things above Jesus, when we're not seeking first the kingdom of God and we're not seeking first Jesus and we're seeking first even good things, our marriage, our parenting, our home, our profession, whatever it might be for you, when there's something in God's place, in that first place, nothing else ever finds its place. So maybe the application for you as we think about what this story, the Pearl of Great Value, could mean for you, it's simply seeking first Jesus. And maybe that for, uh, for you this week could be you know, spending time with someone that God wants you to spend time with. Uh, praying for that person that God's put on your heart, showing love to your neighbor, um, forgiving someone that you've been holding a grudge against, but you know when you seek first Jesus and you see what Jesus has done for you and how he valued you and how he forgave you, you need to offer grace and forgiveness to someone else. I I, I don't know exactly what that is for you, but I want to challenge all of us to think about what's one way this week that we could seek first Jesus and his kingdom. And that could be a word that we need to speak, an action that we need to take, or just simply pausing and saying, "God, I, I need to recommit that You're first in my life." Here's the second thing, just two today, two ways to maybe apply this story to our life, is we want to seek completely, you know, seek first, and seek completely. God says to the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29:13, He says, "You're going to seek Me, right, as a people." You're going to seek me and you're going to find me. You know, God wants to be found. He's the treasure. He's the pearl of great value that wants to be found. And then he tells you how. You're going to seek me and find me when you seek me with what? What's the word there? Circle it again. All of your heart all of your heart. Last week, we talked about um, portfolio of faith, and I mentioned how I struggle with portfolio of faith and trust. I want to trust Jesus completely, but a lot of times I trust him 35% or sometimes 50% or 60 or 70, but then I put some trust in myself, and I put some trust in my wife, and I put some trust in my kids and my job and, and, and all kinds of different things. I wonder about you, and God says here, I want to be found. You're going to seek me. You're going to find me, but you gotta do it with all of your heart. No more portfolio, faith, or trust. You've gotta go all in. Here's the bottom line for the pearl of great value, which is Jesus. The pearls of your world, the things of value in our world, that necklace that maybe you've constructed of even good things, things that do have value and, and meaning, those pearls cannot compare to the value of God's kingdom. Let me say it another way. The, the pearls, the, the things that are good in your life, they, they can never compare to Jesus. The ultimate thing in our hearts and our life, the ultimate thing that satisfies the longing of our heart. I'm going to let Jesus have, have the, the last word here in our sermon. He says earlier in this gospel in Matthew, he said, blessed are those, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for God's righteousness Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus, for a relationship, to see the kingdom of God, for they will be satisfied. To Christ alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, help us to see you for who you really are, the the pearl of greatest value, that there is nothing and no one else in this world that can satisfy like you, Jesus. I wanna pray for anyone who is listening today, wherever they might be. If they're at a place in their hearts and their lives where they would say, I want the pearl of greatest value. I I, I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. It's not by your works, it's by your simple trust and faith. So if that's your heart today, I wanna just invite you to pray this prayer with me, Jesus. I want to accept you into my heart and my life today, not by anything that I could do, but by what you have done for me. Come into my heart. Satisfy the great longing and searching of my heart and help me to now live my life, however many days you give me, for your glory and helping others to find you, Jesus, the pearl of great value. Give us the wisdom, each and every one of us today. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us through this parable. And would you help all of us today to have the faith now to go and to live it out for your glory, amen. As a part of our worship today at New City Online, we're gonna receive communion. And communion um, is a time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us and to celebrate that and it's really for Christ followers. So if you're a Christ follower today, I wanna invite you to continue in worship with us by receiving communion. If you need to hit pause here and get the elements or just have some time to prepare your heart, I would invite you to do so. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and with his disciples, he gave thanks for it at the table and he broke it, saying, this is my body that's given for you. And likewise, he took a cup. And he said, this cup represents a a new covenant that I'm making in my blood. Uh, The wine represents my blood that I'm shedding for you. And I'm making this covenant in that blood um, that as often as you uh, eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus said, you would remember uh, what I've done for you. You'd remember the gospel. And we remember specifically today as we celebrate communion together that only Jesus satisfies. That as we seek him first and we seek him completely, we do so from a heart that knows that he sought us first and he sought us completely. So I wanna invite you now to take the elements, um, the bread and the cup and to remember and to celebrate what Jesus has done for you uh, in an act of worship today. And when you're ready, let's continue and worship together, uh, responding with this song.
2: And I...
0: Again for joining us here at New City Online and now if you're able please extend your hands for this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord
1: lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace New City.